and now a show on the go. We are talking metal in a car, which is made of metal. That's right. Hey folks, this is Ricky Warwick, and you're listening to The Rock of Nations with one and only Dave Kinchin. We look back at life when it was hard and fast. Ricky Warwick. Solo star and the voice of the later Thin Lizzy and Black Star Riders. Also the almighty New Model Army, Stiff Little Fingers. An Irish singer from an iconic Scottish scene. Let's go write some songs. Yeah. I said, okay. So next day I went over to the studio. We wrote a song called Fighting Heart, which is on the record. Yep. And I left the studio, took the demo over the song. A woman was listening to it that night, and I was like, man, that was a good day today. We did something going on there. I like this guy. I like the chemistry. I like the vibe. So I called him up, and I said, look, I, I got more than enough ideas together for a solo record. Do you want to finish it with me, and do you want to produce it with me? And he's like, I'm in. doesn't get any better than this. Being able to sing those Thin Lizzy songs over the years has made me a better singer. It made me a better frontman. It made me a better writer because of Phil. Yeah. Because I've learned so much from Phil. Uh, I've learned what my limitations are as well. You know, I, I know that I have a great range, but I know that the range that I have and the texture that I have in my voice is good. So I work on those strengths. Cause I'm a reptile. Well, I'm a reptile. Yeah, Plus a classic and current albums countdown. Discogs.com releases their top 50 selling records of 2020. So good, and so much more next. Nations with Dave Kinchin. edition of this mighty fine program welcome in everybody that is my radio voice this is 1985 radio yes. wnbc <laughs> 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 tonight 74 degrees and uh, it's human league with uh something human don't uh, you want me don't you want me that's right Baby. Uh, that's right mm. and uh you know you want to sign up because we want to uh, give you a new prize. If you're the 74th caller, we will give you a brand new case of shoe polish. That's right. When Welcome you hear in. this bell. When you hear this bell. <laughs> oh, that's Call it. Call in. WNBC. <laughs> so number nine, number nine. Number nine, 1985. Number We're nine. Stuck in 1985. Number nine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in, everybody. Uh, it's so good to have you. Vital Master Shane here. Man, oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if we, like, I, I've, I've been listening to old school radio. I, I'm fascinated yeah. by it. Our old school radio is just where it's at. Yeah. I I spent most of my childhood uh, 
his back <laughs> off on us. Yeah, a colleague, a former friend, yeah. backing up there. Uh, that's, the, that's the chime. That means you must be the 74th color. Welcome in. <laughs> I spent most of my childhood with this Dave. Uh, we had horrible TV reception mm. growing up. Mm. And radio was where where it was at. Yeah. And that's all I, I listened to. I, I wanted to be a DJ. Like, it's kind of funny how it works mm -hmm. out. But that's that's where we were. And, um, yeah, I just totally always kind of gravitated to FM radio. Mm -hmm. I used to stay up late at night recording albums the and concerts. And, yeah, yeah. And they had such amazing material. Yeah. You know, so much, so much stuff to work with. Those great voices, too. Those great personalities. Uh, I love that stuff, and I, I feel like, you know, in a way, I almost, you know, ended up going the TV route to how I met you, but yeah. I kind of wish I did radio because I just, I'm I'm just so fascinated by it. Not that anybody on the radio today sounds like that, yeah. uh, but I, I don't know. I wish I had a radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> I had a teacher in high school who ran a, uh, the AV program, and he said, you have a good radio voice. And I said, really? Because I was all nasally, even when I was working in TV news, I was trying to bring it down and not, you know, I was a little right. sing-songy, you know, but it's, I don't know, I never thought radio. I, so anyway, <laughs> but this is the podcast voice, ladies and gentlemen. No. <laughs> the podcast, no, you have a great broadcast voice. Uh, I, you're too kind, buddy. I'm, wor I'm working through all this stuff, so no, I'm still learning. Hey, dude, so am I, man. I mean, we, we've been doing this a year now and, uh, you know, it's like we're, we're both learning, so it's great times and, uh, you know, I mean, I guess back in the 1980s, that was when life was hard and fast, which yeah, also happens time. to be, yeah, which also happens to be the name of Ricky Warwick's new album, When Life Was Hard and Fast. That's a sweet, sweet release. Yeah, and that's why I... <laughs> <laughs> I said that wrong. Ricky is a child of the 80s. He is, it's, yeah. And uh, it's fascinating, Glasgow, to, to know where he came from, right, and uh, and where where he's ended up. Those Scottish influences you were talking about, which was mind blowing. Yeah, he has so many different uh, facets to his career. Uh, it make your head spin. It really, mm -hmm. it re really will. And we have some really, really cool stories. Stuff that I had no clue. Yeah, yeah. And and some of the guys he's working with coming up, mm -hmm. and, and stuff that's gonna be coming out in the next few months. Yeah, you and, know, and years. Yeah, um, it's isn't it cool? I mean, you know, I'm from the Black Star Riders, of course. You know, and and thin, the Thin yeah. Lizzy influences, and and uh, on this record, he has um, uh, he worked with uh, Robert Crane on bass, uh, Xavier Muriel on drums, Keith Nelson on guitar, uh, as well as a number of special guests. Joe Elliott produced yeah. uh, the record. Andy Taylor, formerly of Duran Duran, yep. and uh, some of these others. Man, it's amazing. Uh, uh, guys from uh, Buck Cherry. Yep. Uh, Blackberry Smoke, Alice Cooper. Um, he knows everybody. That's, that's kind awesome. of, it's yeah. kind of like a who's who. Right. When, we're, when we were talking to him, and yeah, and it was just it was it was just mind blowing how many people he's worked with and how many yeah. people he knows, and uh, how many people he's really good friends with. And and you had to sort of um, like shuffle through notes because you're like, oh, he talks about this person, and you're like, whoa, you know, <laughs> you have a whole new line of questions, and it's yeah. just it was really awesome, yeah. I had, a, I had a pleasure uh, of seeing Thin Lizzy with with Ricky wow. fronting the band, open for a priest and, and Zach Wild How in awesome. Reading a few years back, and I got to say it was it was like Phil was in the room, yeah. and the crowd was going nuts. As <laughs> as was Yacht. That's right. <laughs> Yacht's going crazy. <laughs> no, but it, it 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 it's amazing um, the he, what he and Scott have done with. 
with uh, the band yeah. and, and continuing the legacy. And and we get into that in, in this yeah. interview, which is, um, if you're not familiar with this, Ricky uh, came on board with Scott. Scott mm -hmm. Gorham asked him to come on yep. and, and become, you know, Phil's replacement. Phil's been gone for... Since 86. Yeah, yeah many a year. Mm -hmm. And um, he is irreplaceable, as right. you know. And of course. A bass player, extraordinaire, and lyricist, songwriter, mm -hmm. everything for Thin Lizzy. And... Um, it was it was almost um, heresy, you yeah. know, and it, for them to get somebody else. But Scott wanted to keep playing those numbers and wanted to get the, the songs out there to the younger generations, and and uh, he couldn't have asked a better fella. And, yeah. And uh, they discussed it. They talked about this stuff, and they didn't feel it was right to keep uh, the Thin Lizzy name going right. uh, without Phil, mm -hmm. which is, I think, it was a great idea. It's kind of like Zeppelin without Bonham. Right, right. Uh, just just AC doesn't DC work. without Angus Young. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you just have to. And I, I defer to you. No, it was a good point because I, I remember I, I always wanted to see that band, and it, it seemed like at the time, a lot of big name players. Like I think when like Aerosmith was on a break, Tom Hamilton went over to uh, Thin Lizzy, and it was kind of I, I had mixed feelings because it was kind of cool. To have these guys, you know, it was a celebration of the music, right? right? Nobody was really trying to replace anybody. I guess for those who got to see the show, like yourself, hey, you got to see Thin Lizzy in the form. It was really yeah. cool. Um, but it was also, you know, I think they did it for the right reasons in tribute, but also, you know, doing the Black Star Riders an offshoot. It's the sound and the heart is there, but they can do more original stuff. Too. Right. Yeah. And, so. and, and they said in, in articles and stuff that Black Star Riders is is really the... It's still Thin Lizzy. Right. It's the successor to Thin Lizzy. The successor, yep. Um, Thin Lizzy's basically on hiatus now since mm -hmm. that tour, and it's it's no more. Right. But it, for that, I feel blessed. Yeah. But that said, also, you know, you kind of knew, like, going into that show, it was like, well, how's it going to be Thin Lizzy Exactly. Phil? Right, right. Dude, I got to tell you, my it was, it was... They nailed it. Yeah. That's awesome. He, yeah. he sounds, and, and you can attest to this... He sounds like Phil. He does, right. Um, he can change, you know, he's got such control over that voice that mm -hmm. he can do anything he wants with it. Yeah. And uh, that was, uh, a lot of um, U.S. rock fans aren't familiar with The Almighty. The mm -hmm. Almighty was a big, big uh, U.K., Scottish, and Irish type. They were huge over there. Okay. On the islands. And here they, they were on MTV. They were kind of, kicked to uh, <clears throat> the alternative metal type thing. And okay. They didn't get as big mm. over here as they did there. But the Almighty is a big freaking deal in Europe. In yeah, the I, checked UK. The, I checked them out uh, after he talked about it, and it was just like, I mean, they, they had some killer stuff. Great I mean, stuff. Really, really Great good. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a punky uh, 80s meets, like, almost the cult Zodiac mind yep. warp type sound. Different, um, yeah. Different. Um, it was balls to the wall, mm -hmm. you know, um, chugging along just good old rock and roll meets yeah. punk with a punk edge to it. Mm -hmm. And um, that's another one of his bands. You know, how many? Yeah, he had so many. There's so and, many freaking bands. Yeah. Uh, Circus Diablo. Yep. Uh, he uh, stinted with Stiff Little Fingers and a live uh, edition of that band. And he also was a, a live member of the band New Model Army, which uh, is one yeah. of my favorite 80s bands. Um very political, mm -hmm. um, post-punk type band. 
just some incredible songs, and uh, he talks to us about uh, you know cutting his teeth with them as well. Yeah, and I you know the first time I saw him it was way back. It's almost twenty years ago. No, it's hard to believe. It's a great story. Yeah, I went to um, a friend of mine was in the first time I discovered metal was in college. Right, right. Uh, Matt was his name, a buddy who lived in my floor in the dorms at Michigan State, and um, he, he was in the Maiden and all these other bands. So he really got me into the metal stuff, you know. And we saw that Def Leppard was playing uh, in Grand Rapids. So we drove out. He hopped in my car. We did a road trip, hour and a half out to Grand Rapids. Saw Def Leppard and saw the opening act. And it was Ricky Warwick. And he was doing an acoustic set. This was yeah. like, it was it was really, really good. And I guess that was, he talks about that was the tour where he met Joe Elliott. And who would know that he would strike up this friendship with the guys in Def yeah. Leppard. And, you know, but it was a great show. I mean, it was really, really good. And he um, already had a friendship with them at that point. I, I, I it might something I, like I it was around, talking to yeah. him. This was a great one of my favorite parts of the interview. Yeah, yeah. when you guys were talking about this because yep. he he remembered it like it was yesterday. Yeah, it was wild. It was like it was twenty <laughs> years ago. It's hard to believe, man. I question. I mean, I I guess if I did see Ricky uh, before the Thin Lizzy experience, um, I did see New Model Army. I just don't know if I saw him on the tour with, with Ricky was with him. Right, right. That would be wild. Oh my you know? god, I know, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and he looks young, too. That's the one yeah. thing. It's like he does not look like he's been around for as long as he has, yeah. you know. Uh, but, uh, no, he's he's just in a sweet guy, man. Just a really, really good, good one guy. One of the nicest people we've talked to, really. Yeah, yeah. Really Bassist great. and guitarist. Yep. Plays it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure he does everything else. Guitar, piano, yep. you name it. Yeah, songwriter. Uh, and just, Multi-instrumentalist. Uh, just a great all-around guy. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, like, that voice is, like, it's his voice, but it also is so iconic, too, and connected to Phil. And you see how he he doesn't really, ch- like, he has so much control, but he also doesn't, like, it's not like he becomes a different person when he does solo stuff. You know what right. I mean? Like, he, it's a, it's very unique. It's just yeah. a very unique voice. So are you ready? Yes. Let's do part one of Ricky Warwick, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we'll come back in the middle uh, before part two. But this is part one. Being in a band is one thing, but you know when you're kind of doing your own solo thing, how, do, how does that approach change as far as songwriting? Um, it changes in so much that you get to be an artist. <laughs> 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 you know, you're pleasing yourself. You're not thinking about four other guys, right? And I mean that. I, I mean that in a good way. I mean, my, I love my bros and Black Star writers, but when I'm writing for Black Star writers, I'm very much. Um, aware of what they're going to bring to the idea, you know, that they're going to come in and get involved and make it into a killer black star writer song, right. you know, and there's certain limitations, which are good limitations that we have on black star writers and that we have a sound and we have a sound that people expect from us and we can't really stray too far from that, you know, because well, maybe we could, but we don't want to, you know, because we like, we like the way we sound, but with the solo stuff, the road's wide open. We can go, you can go anywhere, you can do anything you, you want to, but you know, you can any, any Everything's on the everything's on the table, and that's what I like about making the solo records. Uh, you get to sort of just you know, as I said, be selfish, go crazy. You know, if you want to get somebody to come in and play on it, you're not going to put anybody's nose out of joint. You know, by by stealing their thunder. So that's the difference. And and you know, it's sometimes it's hard. I just instinctively know if I'm writing something, I kind of go, this is this is going to be a Black Star writer song, or this is going to be a Ricky Ward song. I don't know how I know, but I know <laughs> that makes sense. Well, the, the new album really crunches, and it's it, the stuff that we've heard just uh, blows us away. I, it's different from the other records too that you've done, your other solo records, I think, um, and it's it's very different from 
I, I kind of look at Black Star Riders as being like the continuation of Thin Lizzy. It's, it's the sure. you know that dual guitar. Uh, yeah. How do you get your voice? You just have amazing voice control. You can sound like Phil. Thank you. You can uh, you. you can do your own thing. Your your solo stuff. You have a you have a different voice. How difficult is that to do? I mean, not really. You know, I mean, if I'm doing the Lizzie stuff, obviously I want to try and sound and have a tonal uh, vibe on my voice that that, that is as close to sort of fills as I can get, mm-hmm. while still keeping my own my, my own personality and my own um, soul invested in, in that as well. Um, being 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 able to sing those Thin Lizzy songs over the years has made me a better singer, and made me a better frontman, and made me a better writer because of Phil. Yeah. Because I've learned so much from Phil. Uh, I've learned what my limitations are as well. You know, I, I know that I have a great range, but I know that the range that I have and the texture that I have in my voice is good. So I work on those strengths. Those are the strengths of my voice. So, you know, I, you know I'm you know i never going to be able to sing like the great Ronnie James Dio because he's phenomenal. And the guy, the range that he had, is just out of this world. I'm just not going to be that guy. I just can't do that. Mm. But I know that I can sing. I have a, a, good, a good tenor resonance in my voice and I can sing. You know the Phil stuff. You know I, I think decent, and and so I carry that into my own stuff and, and keep the limitations. Um, you know, obviously I'm still pushing myself, but I still know, I, I know what I'm I know what, I kind of know what I'm doing. You know. Yeah. Do you find your as you're getting older, your voice is getting richer? Like your voice sounds completely different now than it did when you were in the Almighty. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've just learned to sing, you know. As, and my voice, like you said, as I get older, it's got better and it gets stronger. You know, I'm fitter now than I ever was. I don't really drink. I've never smoked. I don't do drugs anymore. You know, I'm running 25 miles a week. You know, boxing. I'm, I'm, you know, so I, I'm in good shape. And, and I, I feel it now when I go on stage and when I sing. You know, I have more power probably in my voice than I had when I was 20, 22, 23 years old. And... Um, and that's nice, you know, it's nice to be in that situation, you know, I've not had reached the point yet where, guys, you've got to tune everything down four steps because I can't, I can't sing it anymore, you know? Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's not the case, and, uh, you know, I just, it's, it's my instrument, and I have to look after it, so I make sure I'm on, I get plenty of rest, I make sure I drink plenty of water, and, and uh, so far, touch wood, it hasn't really let, let me down, but yeah, definitely got stronger as I've got older. Yeah. What's been... Absolutely. What's it been like to be a part of, I mean, there, there's such a rich uh, Irish rock legacy, you know, and to be a part of that, I mean, you talked about Phil, of course, and I'm just wondering, you know, there's other artists, like, what is it like to be a part of, uh, to be a part of that, that Irish uh, rock tradition is what it feels like, at least. Yeah, no, it's a huge honor. You know, we're all proud Irishmen. Like you said, there's so many great, um, you know, Irish artists that have come out, you know, not just the Lizzie guys, but Vivian Campbell playing with Def Leppard. There's Belfast boy like myself, you know, um, you've got a lot of the great punk bands like Stiff Little Fingers, you know, the undertones, the great Van Morrison, Yeah. you know, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's Ireland's a culture that's steeped in, in storytelling and, and arts and poetry and music. It's, I think it's just in our DNA. I think it's something that, that, that's, that is born into us, you know, we're born into it and it's born into us. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hugely proud of where I'm from. And, uh, and and the culture is there um and i guess going back to phil for a minute i was wondering like did, uh did you kind of pay attention to kind of you know 
the way he played his instrument too. I know you play guitar versus him playing bass, but was yeah. it when you were learning to try to do, or when you were singing the the Lizzie stuff? Was it um, you know you're you're covering parts uh, for a singer who sure. you know sings and also plays an instrument too? How hard was that kind of coordinating that? Um, you know, it's a weird one because when Scott when Scott called me and, and asked me to sing, I wanted to play. I just thought I was going to be playing bass because I can't play bass, and I was like, do you, "You want me to? You want me to play bass and sing?" You know, okay. You know, that's going to be really hard. You know, because Phil was a very underrated bass guitar player. Yeah, yeah, right. He's brilliant. You know, but Scott wanted to present the band in a different way. He wanted a sort of more of a frontman per se, and you know, with some songs that I would, you know, look, you know. Scott and Damon and, and the Lizzie Lang, whatever, now they're phenomenal guitar players, but, you know, just because I've always played guitar, I had a third guitar on some songs. Some songs I don't play guitar at all. I, I just do the frontman thing. And Scott just wanted to present it in a different dynamic way because he felt that that was more of a tribute to Phil. He felt like getting a guy that stood there and, you know, played a, a, a precision bass. And, you know, he's, he said, I'm not trying to, I'm not replacing Phil here because right. Phil's a lead singer than Lizzie. Mm-hmm. I always will be. We're just trying to, you know, present these songs in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, in a, in a different thing. And present them the same way, but still make people recognize the songs. And I think I was kind of a smart call on, on Scott Gorham's part. So it was difficult because I was just, I, I was acutely aware of how much Phil means to people and, and how much he means to me. Right. I just wanted to, do, wanted to do it justice every night and not let anybody down. I just not let myself down and not let anybody that came to the shows down. I wanted to make sure that they... They felt that they uh, had heard the Thin Lizzy songs, um, given the rest the best representation that they could have without the great man actually singing in himself. I was I was blessed, uh, Ricky, to see you guys. Uh, you opened for Priest and Zach uh, Zach Wild a few years back. Yeah. I saw you in Reading, Pennsylvania, and I was just yep. bl- blown away, man. Was that the first uh, Was that the first tour you were with them on? First full tour like that. The first tour we did was 2011, um, and we did a few select dates in the stage club shows. Yeah. That was uh, that. As far as I know, that that priest tour was the end of 2011. So yeah, it would have been the end of that sort of first year, you know, that the band was together. Or, sorry, reformed. And the reception was was fantastic. And yeah, thank you. What what uh, and then what went into that? Because you guys could have kept going as Thin Lizzy. But you guys changed and and went and changed the name to, to Black Star Riders just out of was that sure. Well, we you know we turned we turned we turned solidly for over two years and we actually finished in Australia in February 2013. Mm. Um, we went down there with Motley Crue and Kiss, which was just oh yeah, what a bill. <laughs> yeah, my imagine was just just insane playing all the stadiums down there. And, you know, we talked about writing because you get, as, as you have writers in the band, you get excited. Maybe we should write some new songs and maybe we should put them out under the Lizzy, blah, 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 blah. And you get caught up in the, the kind of success of the, the live show. So we started writing some songs. And then I think suddenly you listen to your heart and your heart's going, hang on a minute. Yeah. Hold up, guys. It's one thing playing these songs live and keeping the legacy going. But to make a record without Phil after, you know, 30-something years... That's a tall order. That's maybe not cool. Right. And I yeah. think that we were all we were all sub- sub- subconsciously thinking that. And I think that sort of penny dropped one day when maybe Scott said it. You know, because I, it's your heart. And in my head, I'm going, 
I'm going to be on a Thin Lizzy record. I'm going to be the guy that made the first Thin Lizzy record since since Phil passed, and it's great. And your heart's kind of going, what the hell are you doing, man? You know? <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you insane? You know? Yeah. This is Phil. What are you, you, you can't do this. Right. This is hollow. You know, this is taking it. Don't push your luck, you, you idiot, you know? And suddenly <laughs> you listen to your heart, and, and we just went, you know what? Let's not record on the Thin Lizzy. Best decision we ever made. But at that point, at that juncture, we had all these great songs, and I said, I said to Scott, it's a shame to waste these songs that people will never get to hear them. I said, and Scott and I started talking, I said, why don't we just come up with a band name and just record them and put them out under a different name and see what people think of them. We know we like them. Let's see if other people think of them. You know? Who knows? They may yeah. hate it, they may love it. We don't know. <laughs> well, as long as you have it. At that point, when we were doing... Do... No, go ahead, go ahead. At that point, Brian Downey and, and Darren Wharton sort of stepped off the off the uh, the funfair ride because they were like, well, you know, we, we don't really want to get back involved with promoting records and, and, and going on the road for a year to promote it and all that stuff that that takes. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll sit this one out. Sure. Yeah. So they stepped aside, and, and that's when, you know, uh, Jimmy DeGrasso came in and, uh, and and played drums in that first record. And we put it out, and people seemed to dig it. And, you know, here we are nine years later, about to record our fifth Black Star Writers album. Yeah. So, you know. Well, it's great to carry that legacy on for younger fans, too, you know? I mean, I think that's so cool, and I, I wonder what is it like when you look out there, I guess even, you know, for your solo shows and the Black Star Riders, what, it's, what is it like to see some of these younger fans that, you know, they're getting into hard rock, kind of some of the metal music, and you're able to kind of oh, share that legacy? It's just great, you know? The cross-section of people who come to the shows is, is wonderful. It's, it's everything from, you know, you know young kids, up, up the people in up the people in their in their seventies, you know, and it's, yeah. a, it's everything in between. Kids bringing you know fathers bringing their kids, grandfathers bringing their grandkids and their, and their children. You know, we've we've had all. It's wonderful, you know, um, and it's a testimony to, to timeless music. That, that, that how timeless the music is. That the music is still relevant, and yeah. very much so after all this time. I, I think it's uh, really cool that. In your bio, you talk about Stiff Little Fingers, which is probably one of the most underrated punk bands on the planet. Yep. Why? Why do you think uh, they weren't as big as they should be? Um, you know, they're pretty big. You know, over in the UK and Europe, yeah. they, they still do. They still do really well. But I know, I know what you're saying. I am because they're a punk band. Yeah. Because they they wrote about things that people weren't comfortable with. They didn't fit into any niche. They made. You know, they were writing about stuff that people would want to brush under the carpet and pretend wasn't going on, you know? You know, racism, inequality, you know, poverty, yeah. corrupt governments. You know, people don't want to hear that. A lot of people don't want to hear that. You know, a lot of people just want the, 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 the pop song that means nothing and they can sing along to. And don't, don't get me wrong, there's a place for that in this world. And sometimes that's all you want to hear. You just, you just want to hear a dumb, stupid pop song, you know? <laughs> and it makes you... And it makes you feel good, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I think a lot of the punk, the punk bands came along and suddenly started questioning the establishment and questioning a lot of what was going on that people weren't picking up on in real life. I mean, I think the MC5 were the, and, and, and Iggy and the Stooges were all the oh, indicators yeah. of that. Yeah. Yep. You know, and then the punk bands took it one step further. So they were never going to get the commercial success right. that, yeah. that, that they wanted or, or what they played because of what they stood for. Yeah. Is there, um, take me back to like 2002. I remember I actually saw Def Leppard uh, in Grand Rapids at the Van Andel yeah. Arena. And I, and you opened for them. I remember that show. And it was, I, thought, I thought, man, it was really cool. And I, I was just wondering, because uh, I, I know, I think you did like an acoustic set. Um, 
if yeah. I remember correctly. What's it like kind of doing some of the acoustic uh, work versus more of the plugged in, uh, you know, material that you have? <laughs> oh, man, that tour was something else. I mean, I, I got to <laughs> tell you some stories about that. <laughs> you know, Joe, Joe Elliott's been a really great friend of mine for many years. I was Joe's best man at his wedding, and, and he's my, you know, he's one of my mentors. He's, he's been wonderful to me over the years. Oh, and man. I just started doing the acoustic stuff. I just stepped out from behind the martial amps and the, the lead poles, and I was just getting into it. I'd done three or four clubs where I, where I played, and, you know, just acoustic solo. And I was terrifying, you know, right, with mm-hmm. the, the band beside me and the wall. So, and Joe produces my first record, and, you know, Tattoos and Alibis does a great job. And says, hey, he says, talk to the boys. Come over and open for us in the States. I was like, you're kidding. He said, yeah. He said, I said, me and a guitar? He said, yeah, I think it'll be cool. It'll be good for you. So about my eighth ever gig as an acoustic performer, I flew from, from Dublin, where I was living at the time, into Vegas to the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Mm. <laughs> my first acoustic show was opening for Def Leppard in front of 12,500 people in oh, that man. arena. Oh, wow. And I, remember, and I remember being introduced. I remember walking out onto that huge stage of theirs. And my mic was there. My, I, have a straight, I use a straight mic stand. I just remember the walk taking forever, and I, I can't remember. I can't remember the weird thing I thought was I'm shrinking. I felt like I was shrinking. <laughs> the only thing, I, the only thing, the only thing was going through my head was not, I'm not going to be able to reach the mic when I get to the mic stand because I shrank so much. <laughs> right? Total, total bizarre thought, you know. Right. And you know, I'm not dumb. I can hear you know you, I, that whole tour. Guy with acoustic guitar walks out of a Def Leppard concert. I can hear the groans. Oh man. You know what, this, this singer-songwriter crap this guy's going to be selling, this is going to be tedious and boring, and I hate the world, and all is me, and all this singer-songwriter shit. Because I would be like that, you know? At Def Leppard Show, I don't want to, but, but, you know, I walk out there, and, you know, you saw me, I beat the shit out of the guitar, oh, yeah. I feel like my life depends upon it, the songs are uplifting. I ended up going on the road with those guys for a year and a half. Yeah, man, that was awesome. That, which, which was unbelievable, and a game-changer, a life-changer for me. They couldn't have been more generous and hospitable as guys, and their their belief and their trust in, in me as an artist to let me do that every night um, is is unbelievable. And again, what a learning curve! Because I thought, you know, when 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 Scott offered me the Lizzie gig, I thought, well, hey man, I've played in front of rabid Def Leppard fans for a year and a half. Right. I've, I've survived that. <laughs> I, I can, you know, I can do the Lizzie. I can do this. You know, you're initiated. So, yeah. It's all, yeah, it's all about learning, you know. And yeah. again, you know, I, I, I just, I learned the stagecraft. I learned to be a better player, a better singer, because I, I had nobody else behind. I was up there on my own. So if I screwed up, it's on me. Nobody else, you know. Yeah, absolutely. What, what's Joe like? I mean, is Joe? You talked about him producing, and, and you know, your tightness sure. with him. What, what's he like? Joe's great. You know, Joe's never forgotten where he's from. Blue collar, working class boy from Sheffield. Very thankful for everything he's achieved. Uh, a total music nut. Very talented musician. Very, uh, a lot of people don't know what a great guitar player and what a great piano player Joe is. Um, extremely talented. Um, and, and just just a complete music fan. You know, he's never lost that enthusiasm that, that we all have, that we all had when we were kids. That's still there in abundance with Joe. And um, very smart guy. Great guy to have be in a studio with, you know, has amazing ideas, amazing arrangement ideas. And again, a fan of, uh, Joe's, uh, you know, 
knowledge of music is encyclopedic. You know, Joe's into the new everything from the you know the New York Dolls, Elton John, and, and and then and the rest. You know. Yeah. So he's he's a great 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 guy. <laughs> Friend for life, friend for life, producer, and I mean, how amazing, right? This is the second. I mean, Brian Wheat also, yeah, very close to Joe. Joe just sounds like the coolest dude. Man. I know. I can't wait to talk to Joe because he's such a fan of like the Sweet and Mat the Hoople, and like he's a guy who, you know, I, Joe would have some amazing stories because he he's he feels like just a regular guy who loves rock, you yeah. know. Like outside of Def Leppard, one of the biggest bands in the world, he yeah. would just we, we could talk vinyl with him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's what I love about the, the yeah. a lot of these guys is yeah. uh, you know, Jimmy Page, Joe Elliott, mm -hmm. uh, Will Sargent, Echo and the Blind These guys aren't just musicians; mm -hmm. they're also crazed fans. Yes, they and love And they're it. collectors, and I just oh, I'd love to pick his brain, yeah. man. Because I, I, Ricky said he's he's an encyclopedia. You know, right? He knows. You, you go from the Sex Pistols to whatever the Clash will be able to yeah just fill click. you in yeah he knows it, yeah. I, I freaking love it so he's yeah. back doing another solo record mm -hmm. and this record is yeah it's uh when life was hard and fast and it, it just it's so crunchy I mean some of the tracks we'll just do a little rundown here of uh, what's on here and because uh, I think you're just gonna love this it's and, and and keep in mind too that this this record is just it's straight from the heart you hear it. Um, the opening track, When Life Was Hard and Fast, uh, You Don't Love Me, I'd Rather Be Hit, Gunslinger, mm -hmm. uh, Never Corner a Rat, and some of the others on there. Still Alive! Yeah! Yeah, this this is, uh, and then you're, you're my rock and roll, mm -hmm. finishing off the, the record. Yeah. Uh, he's got some, some covers on there, on uh, the Stairwell Troubadour track list. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you spin me around like a record. Some uh, dead or alive, that'll be interesting. Cocaine Blues, Johnny Cash. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't want to get. I don't want to grow up. The Ramones. Yeah, burning. This alive. really shows his influences right here. Yeah, Where Rothschild. He, it's I, got some Maiden on there. I, I got to hear that. Yeah, that's really cool. And an Almighty cover. You were talking about the Almighty. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus I, loves you, but I don't. I love. <laughs> I love that title. Yeah, I guess it was around 2002. He was so frustrated with uh, that, that whole process of the band, everything yep. around it, that yeah. he just said, I'm, I'm gonna go solo. Mm -hmm. 
and he's been solo since pretty much yeah with the exception of you know with scott mm -hmm. black star riders and yep. circus diablo and stuff and he toured with stiff little fingers when they you know because that was his band mm -hmm. growing up and we asked him about punk yeah and stiff and little fingers was the band that was it right yeah. Was that kind of like the dictators of uh, the U.S.? So what what the dictators means to New York City, Stiff Little Fingers means to Ireland. Okay, uh, that's what I thought. Okay. They influenced everyone, you two, mm -hmm. and, and and they were huge in England too. Mm. They just uh, they their their success in the, the U.K., Ireland, and Europe did not translate over to the U.S. Okay. very well for whatever reason because. Uh, the U.S. was at the time I, I think was really big on bands from mm. the U.S. So. It was Ramones, Ramones, Ramones. Ah, yep. Um, Sex Pistols were huge. Clash was huge. Oh, massive. But yeah. the stiff, stiff little fingers are just as good as yeah. any one of those four bands. You know, anybody from them that might be. We, I love, love to reach out to those oh, guys if anybody's around. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, that'd be great. Sign me up. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll take a look at that. Absolutely. But Black Star Riders, you're a huge fan of. Yeah, dude. I, the twin. I mean, you know, anything with the twin guitars, the cranking. I think they're chambered Les Pauls, not sure, but I mean, just cranked up Les Pauls and stack of Marshalls and, yeah. you know, oh, I mean, it, it's just the trademark, you know, it's like, they, and, and it's not just the musical spirit of Phil's voice, but it's the twin, the twin leads, you know, and just life about, you know, growing up in, you know, it, it, through adversity and just rites of passage. Oh, it's, they're great. They're really one of those truly great bands, you know, and, and like you said, it is essentially Thin Lizzy today, you know. Yeah, it is, and and that's the thing. It, I think it was like on the 30th anniversary of, of Phil's death, mm. um, Black Star Riders released uh, Heavy Fire in uh, 2017, and that album like shot up in the charts. Mm. And uh, I have to admit, when I first heard him, I, my hair stood up. I was like, "This is Thin Lizzy." Yeah, because that, that it, like you said, the crunch. Was, yeah, it, it was like. Um, the guitar sound, mm -hmm. the voice. Uh, I'm like, if you were in a bar and this was playing, right? You would think, and and you're you're drinking, and you're not listening to it like you would uh, with headphones on. Right. You'd be like, that's Thin Lizzy, right? You know, right, exactly. What's yeah. Lizzy song? You know, yeah. Uh, just does a great job. They're fantastic, and they've really, really started to now uh, develop their own sound mm -hmm. in a way. I'm not saying that they copied anything because they are. <laughs> that's such who they are. Scott right? is that's that. Scott, Scott right. is that's, Thin Lizzy. Yeah. But it's just really fascinating to that they're there and we have them and it's a blessing. It really is. Talk about your thoughts on Scott as a um, like as the core of that band or a part of that core of the band. I mean, how instrumental, you know, would you say he was in, in like the, the early days of uh, Thin Lizzy? No, uh, Thin Lizzy... Uh, would not be Thin Lizzy without Scott, right. and Thin Lizzy is not Thin Lizzy without Phil. Right, right. Um, they are the the nucleus. Yeah, yeah. That's like uh, Dennis and Alice Cooper. Right, you know, right. Yep. Or uh, Joe Elliott and and Steve Clark. Yeah, because you, know, you know I'm a Clarky fan. Yeah, man. Steven, <laughs> Steven, Steve, yeah. Sorry, Phil, but now um, what he, what he can do with the three pickup Les Paul custom? Oh dude. my God, madness, madness! One of my favorite guitarists. Yeah, mine really too. Is. Oh, he's just yeah. I mean, uh, Switch three six five, right? Don't get me started on Pete Willis, but yeah, I know. Day. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna shut up about. Yeah, but yeah. you you kind of understand how um, the dynamics, the dynamic between those two really were a special thing. Yeah, and and they're this is a legacy band. There's they're they're up there with all the greats. Mm -hmm. And um, 
they just released a fantastic box set. Yeah. Um, it's like seven discs. Yeah, that was in your collection that you mentioned, man. That was like and uh, smoking. It's it's gone out of print, I think, twice now because it sold out so fast. Mm. And I don't think they realized how 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 many people were going to grab this and snap it up. Yeah. But Thin Lizzy is a is an artist's band, mm -hmm. just like UFO, just like Led Zeppelin. There there's some bands that are just so freaking good mm -hmm. that they're they're just timeless and they're going to be artists. 20 years, 30 years, 50 years from now, still listening to these records going, yep. holy crap. Yep. This is just amazing, right? And Ricky, I, I'm sure Ricky is aware of how blessed he is to be a part of this uh, this legacy. Yeah, and and, uh, and he does such a great job with it. And uh, I think as he continues on, he takes us a little bit more into the intricacies of it all, right? Yeah. I I can't get enough of... of of Thin Lizzy, I'll never stop listening to them. Yeah, me either. Uh, nightlife, jailbreak, oh yeah. fighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy bad Fox, bad reputation. You know, Jimmy the Emerald, Fox. Oh, I mean, Emerald's just you know, Emerald's one of the greatest, greatest songs, and even the, the Gary Moore stuff. You know, I mean, I know it was kind of he was there for a short time, but right. But um, and then Black Rose, of course, yes. which, which oh. was uh, Ricky's favorite. It's a great, it's an iconic song. I mean, just yeah. And uh, I think it's Henry Rollins of um, Black Flag. Yeah, was, Henry yeah. Rollins goes on and on about that album. Yeah, in one of his books, Fanatic. Yep, I forget which one, but um, actually emailed him about it because it was like uh, I I never heard that was one of those records. It was in the latter latter, latter part of their career, and mm. I had moved on to other music. Sure, because back then you listen to one or the other, right? And, and then you uh, just move, yeah, and. Uh, I didn't give it the time of day, and I, it's just a masterpiece. Yeah. It truly is. So good. My car's talking to us. Oh, right? yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it's all good. The car agrees. There's no rat or anything running around in there. It's just the car makes these noises, and we, don't, we, we haven't been able to figure out why. It's a very happy car. It's a happy car. That's right. It's all good. So now, uh, we continue our journey, part two. Shane, the Vinyl Master, tell us what's coming up. This is a cool part. There's my radio voice yeah. again, sorry. He keeps doing this, I love it. <laughs> I love it! No. Hey Dave, well, wait, let me tell you about this. No, <laughs> that's um, right. <laughs> the, the thing that's really, really cool about this part of the interview is uh, we, we delve into a little bit, scratching the surface, because Ricky's storied career. We talk about uh, growing up in Scotland mm -hmm. uh, in the indie scene that was going on because Scotland had a really, really big indie scene yeah. in, in, in the late 80s. There was a thing called the NME cassette that was released and mm. it basically created an entire um, genre. It's called C86. Okay. And a lot of the bands basically shaped the sound of Britain's music right up into shoegaze in the early 90s. Wow. And uh, later on with Oasis, I mean, these were the bands that that created the sound. Jesus and Mary Chain was one of those bands, and he talks about them. So there's a whole pipeline leading all the way up to Oasis. Yeah, wow. there, there was a scene. Uh, the scene started, and the C86 movement kind of changed the whole sound of of music in England because everything in the early part of the 80s was Duran Duran, right. and Depeche Mode, New Order, The Smiths, and and this was a twee sound. It was, mm. it was just different. It was softer. But there was also some bands that were just hard as nails, like the Membranes mm. and, and Jesus and Mary Chain and Fifth Bang Pal and stuff like that. But 
there was still a punk, post-punk edge to a lot of these groups. And uh, Alan McGee, who formed the Creation label, yeah. um, was one of the artists that was not only on the cassette, but he also started a label and and brought some of these bands in. And just fascinating yeah, um, to hear Ricky cool. talk about his band opening up for, for Jesus and Mary Chain. That is really cool. Yeah, you perked up when, when he was talking about this, and I was learning from both of you guys. It was really cool. I was losing my mind. <laughs> he's also friends with some other uh, yeah. <laughs> key players of, of the time from the 80s. And, wow, uh, man. From the punk scene. And uh, I figured a great way to go into this was uh, a track, one of the last tracks on his record, new yeah. record, uh, You're My Rock and Roll. Kind of has that, that punky sound to it. It does. You hear it in the drums and the grit, man. Check it out. to scotland when you were 14 uh i know there was a big indie scene going on in, in scotland yeah. at that time what, what was that like were you uh into the jesus and mary chain that kind of stuff was that just huge yeah that was all starting to kick off you know um there was the postcard records thing with like the pastels and jesus and mary chain and you know uh, my teenage fan club was, was happening a band that i really love i love teenage so we used to rehearse in Glasgow with the Almighty. So we used to rehearse beside a lot of these bands. You know, none of these bands would be in the same rehearsal complex as, as us. And there was a couple of heavy, heavy metal, heavy rock bands in Glasgow at that time. But you know, there was nobody trying to like the Almighty. So we were quite, we stood out, you know, quite significantly from from, from everything else that was going on, mm -hmm. which I was extremely proud of. Yeah. And you know, I met the guy. I met the guys that I ended up being in the Almighty with, uh, Stump and Floyd. Our drummer and bass player. I met them on my first day in school. Really? When I moved to Scotland. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've been in, a, in and out of bands with those guys till we, from 14 years of age until we formed the Almighty. Um, and, yeah, it was a bit of a culture shock. It was a difficult age to move. But, you know, it's if I hadn't have done it, I wouldn't have met those guys. I wouldn't be talking to you now. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Almighty was, was a great time. And, and we're very proud to be from Glasgow in Scotland and uh, you know we still are and uh, yeah, yeah it was killer you know I've got a great Jesus in the Mary Chain story if you want to hear it so they were they were starting to they were just starting to really happen and they had a reputation for a lot of violence at yeah. their gigs and they used to smash smash their gear up on stage and mm -hmm. you know they they signed they signed to Alan McGee's Creation Records which is world famous for having Oasis on it yeah, um, yeah. and we were playing we were playing at, there was this club that we were booked to play on this is pre-almighty this is like a little punk band that we were in that I used to be in and the promoter phoned up and said, "Yeah, he said, we've got a, uh, we've got you and the Jesus and Mary Chain playing tonight. <laughs> uh, the, Jesus and Mary, the Jesus and Mary Chain want to know can they can they use your gear?" <laughs> I was like, "No effing." We're like, "No effing way." We we know what that means, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. We, we, you know, we're, we're broke. We what gear 
here we have we cannot afford to get it smashed up you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. talking about glasgow like we we had a, a couple years ago we had charlie bird on and he was talking about um that same thing that the the glasgow early days and i'm, I'm wondering like uh, if there were bands from that era that uh that you got into also like other groups yeah i mean I mean, Simple Minds, I'm, I, I, think, I still do, I think Simple Minds were amazing. Charlie's a great, great guitar player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, very, very, uh, very unique in his style and, and everything like that. And, you know, I mean, I, a lot of great class region bands like Nazareth, obviously, from, from back in the day, Sensational Alex Harvey Band, or just just something else. You know, they're just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great, great Scottish rock bands that, that came out of there. And I'm trying to think of, you know, Sort of more, there's a band called Gun, who you might have heard of, who's yep, a great yeah. band from Glasgow. Glasgow yep, yeah, those guys do really good. There's always been a really great, vibrant music scene in Scotland. Uh, and Glasgow's a, a big enough city and then it's small enough that all the bands kind of know each other. Mm. And there's a great camaraderie there. And, you know, in the west of Scotland, people are very honest. If you're shit, they'll tell you you're shit. They won't, they won't beat about the bush, you know. So you need to be good. Mm, yeah. And you need to be able to, you know, to be able to, to, to get up there and deliver because they'll let you know if you can't. Yeah, I remember, I don't know if this is your bag or not, but I remember going to Edinburgh when early 90s and I got to see the Cocteau Twins play. And they were... Yeah, I love the Cocteau Twins, yeah. Just amazing effects that Robin does with his pedals and stuff. So and good, Another yeah. insane Great. guitar. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's also probably probably one of my favorite bands. I can't believe I forgot to mention it. Big Country, you know, Stuart Adams. Oh, that's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, you know, just, just unique, way ahead of their time. Great songwriter, great band. Um, you know, Stuart was just just a wonderful uh, a wonderful guitar player and a great frontman and a great songwriter. That echo, that whole echo thing he was doing at the time was pioneering. Yeah, he could make the, he could make those guitars sound like bagpipes, right? It was yeah, insane. He was doing that yeah. in the Skids too. The Skids were amazing. The Skids were a great band. You know, Richard Richard Jobson, Stuart, and that those bands as well. Yeah, um, yeah, no, some great stuff. You know, Stuart Sim. I, I got to know Stuart, um, sadly, right before he passed away. And, oh. and he was telling me that his big, big here, you know, he was a big fan of um, of Bill Nelson from Bebop Deluxe. That was his guitar hero. Oh. And he, mm. he, he, um, he, he based a lot of his style on, on Bill Nelson's guitar playing. Wow. Which I thought was really cool, yeah. 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 Good stuff. What, I, I saw that, you know, Mighty's getting a, Power Trippin's getting a Deluxe reissue shortly here. Did you have any input on that one? We did. Yeah, we did. You know, we've got a power tripping reissue coming out, and there's a box set, a couple of box sets coming out to split into, I think it's the Chrysalis years, which is the 94 to, uh, to, I think, 2000 when the band finished, and then I think we're doing the Polydor years as a different box set. Mm. So they're coming out later in the year, and myself and Stump, the drummer in the band, we're still very tight, we're still great friends. Nice. And we worked with my with my management, who look after me, and, and Lizzie and Blackstar Writers. We worked with them on putting the whole thing together with with the record label Cherry Red. So we had a we had a good bit of input. I mean, getting the licensing to do all that it's just a nightmare because stuff's all over the place. Yeah. So and so owns the yeah. rights for this and that. And you know, it took it really honestly. It took us about five years to just figure everything out and get everything in, in the one place. Um, and I'm happy that we have that because the almighty a lot of the stuff wasn't up online or you couldn't get it, and it really you know pissed me off. But it pissed a lot of the, a lot of the almighty fans off. I'd get bombarded every day, and so. To finally get the house in order and get everything together is, 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 is really, really cool. I'm really happy about it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Is that the same label that did the, the reissue of uh, Blood, Fire, and Love? 
Or is that a different label? It is. Uh, no, no, that was Spine Farm. That's right. That's a division of Universal. Um, Cherry Red do a lot of reissue stuff as well. They're a great label for, for reissues and stuff like that. Yeah, I think yeah. Killing Joke's on that label. Yeah, they used to be. Right, yep. Where do, where do you want to go, uh, like, when you can get out there and, and play shows? Like, where is there a place you're itching to get to, to play live? You know, I'm ready to get back to, back to the U.K., you know, that's where I'm from, the U.K. and Ireland. You know, that's where, it, it, you know, that's, I guess, where I'm most well-known. So it's yeah. always good to get back there, Europe, and I'm just dying to get out and play, you know. Yeah. Um, and get even, you know, get get back out here in the states and start playing some shows. I, I just want to play. I, I really don't care where it is at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> Has it been a little? You been a little numb, surreal with all this stuff that's been going on the past year with COVID? Yeah, of course. You know, I'm I'm quite. A, I like to think I'm a fairly positive, proactive guy. And once I accepted that it's bigger than any of us, and it is what it is, I started to get to work. And okay, well, what do I need to do? How can I get through this? What can I motivate what can I utilize obviously the internet the online shows more writing I get to be at home with my family which has been wonderful to, to be at home with, with my wife and my kids and, and not have to leave every couple of weeks I've really appreciated that time and you know and, and there's a lot of people that are that are hurting and and, and and a lot worse off than I am and I really don't have a lot to complain about to be honest with you so I've just tried to be like I said as proactive as I can and, and it will pass and we'll get through it uh, you know, hopefully uh, things will get better very soon. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, I mean do you, uh, I guess it's great for writing, you know, you were talking about how, you know, you kind of spend some sure. time to write and everything too. Um, are there, have you used this time to try to do different things in terms of either instrumentalization or gear? Because um, I I'm, I look at Gibson, I kind of, I, I play guitar too, not, not nearly anywhere where yeah. you are, but I, and I see kind of the stuff they're putting out. I, it's like they've got, it seems like new technology going into some of these guitars. And I, I wonder if you've picked up any gear and you've just kind of been, you know, noodling around and trying different pieces of equipment. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, I'm so not a gearhead. Oh yeah. Oh really? You know, I, I, I'm old school, you know, yeah. I, I know what I like. I know what, I know what my, what my sound is. I've got a bunch of real nice guitars. I get a bunch of, a bunch of real nice amps. They're all old amps. They're all tube nice. amps. You know, I've got some nice split balls, some nice crutches. And, and I'm happy with that. And, you know, I'm still singing into the iPhone and doing a very rough, shitty demos on my garage band to send to the guys. <laughs> and that works for me. And I don't really have any aspirations to, to, to change anything because what I've got is working fine, you know. Um, I, I've, I've, I write for other people as well. So that, that's something I've, I've done quite a bit this year. I've written um, I've written a couple of songs for a young Scottish band. Um, and uh, I, I, I've... I've got a song on the new punk uh, band Down by Law. Mm. I've got a record coming out, and I've, I've co-written a song on that. Cool. I've been working with Andy Taylor, Andy Taylor from Duran Duran on, on the Power Station. He's got uh, a yeah. solo record coming out. Oh, nice! Coming out this year, and I've, I've co-written six songs with him and his solo record. So, you know, I'm writing. If it's not for me or BSR, it's for you know, hopefully for other people or whatever. You know. Uh, how's Andy doing? Andy's doing great, thank you. You know, he took a bit of time away from the limelight. To, um, to to get his kids sort of through school and, and, and be home and just spend time with his with his kids. He's, he lives in a, he lives in the island of, of Ibiza off the coast okay. of Spain. Yeah. And he he called me up about three years ago and, and flew me out there. He's got a little studio there and we wrote a bunch of songs and he went and recorded the record sounds absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I think Mike Fraser mixed it and um, 
he uh, he ended up recording six of the songs that we wrote together. So I can't wait for people to hear that. That's coming out later in the year. I think one of them's already available uh, to stream. Um, it's called Lover Liberation. If anybody wants to check it out, mm-hmm. real heavy guitar riff. But you'll take it real Zeppelin these eyes. Cool. It's okay. Already out there. Lover Liberation. Andy Taylor. What's it like when you work with guys like that? I mean, you know, Andy Taylor, Joe Elliott, all these people. Like, is there? Is there a little bit of a starstruck nature there, you know? And, and how do you get over oh, something yeah, like that? Oh, yeah, you know, that never leaves you. I mean, they're <laughs> your friends. And, you know, 90% of the day, they're your buddies. And you're just thinking about working with them. But then you'll get that little sideways glance, and they'll just go, all right, that's Joe Elliott. I used to go and see his band play, you know? The reason I bought a white Les Paul was because of Steve Clark. Yeah. You know, or there's Andy, T- Andy Taylor. You know, that that guy, he was, he was you know... A teenage heartthrob in the '80s, you know, and everybody had his records and sold millions of records. And he, you know, sang. He was in the power station, and he got to play with, you know, Robert Palmer. Yeah. So that they hit you, and then you kind of have to reel yourself back in and go, okay, you're getting into fanboy mode here, Ricky. Reel it back in, you know. <laughs> but I get like that with Scott as well. You know, I'll be standing on stage, and I've known Scott for 30 years, and I still look over and I go, it's Scott Gorham. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm on stage with Scott Gorham. How friggin' cool is that? You yeah, know? man. I, I, I love those moments. And I hope I, they never leave, and I hope that they never leave because you get the goosebumps. And, 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 and these are, st- these, I, like I said, these people are my friends, but they're still people that I look up to. And they're still my peers. And I, 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 I'm, just, it's just, I'm just blessed that I can get to call them buddies now, you know? Yeah, Scott. Scott's just amazing, and yeah. you guys did so well together. It was. It Thank was, you. It, is there a yeah. are there some Thin Lizzy songs that you just love to play when you're up on stage with them? I, I mean, it's all of them. I mean, I look down at that set list, and without sounding kind of cliche, I look down at that set list every night, and it's <laughs> just like, really, this is next, and then this one, and this one, <laughs> and we're doing now, you know. Um, and I never get sick of any of them. I'm, I'm still a fan, you know. I'm still totally immersed as a fan in Thin Lizzy. You know, um, Suicide's a great song to play because, you know, it has that huge, those huge two long solo sections, which, oh, yeah. which are amazing. I get, to th- I get to sort of walk off side stage and watch Scott and Damon do their thing in that, and, you know, and the, the, the shuffle that it's got on that. Emerald, for obvious reasons, being Irish, is such an academic. Oh, my God. Great, yeah. Yeah. just great song to play. Um, you know, and I never, you know, Jailbreak, that riff, you know, but just that riff in Jailbreak is just killer, you know? It's, yeah. just, it's got so much, so much swagger to it. Have you, have you heard? I think that's what I, sorry? No, no, go ahead, I'm sorry. I just, I think that's what I love about Ben Lizzie, there's just there's so much swagger in all her, in all her songs, you know? So much. Yeah. Have you heard any of the covers like Ace Frehley? I think on his recent record he did a cover of I want to say I think it was Emerald. He did a couple Thin Lizzy covers. I don't know if like have you heard any of the covers out there? And uh, just interested to get your take on on anything you might have heard. Um, I haven't, you know. Um, I, yeah, I don't know why. Maybe I just have, I picked it up on my radar. Sure. I haven't really heard anything. I mean, I've heard. The, I think you know, Iron Maiden did a great cover of Emerald. Yes. Uh, yeah. Back in one of the beast sides back in the day, which I thought was was amazing. Um, I mean, there's some great bands out there doing some stuff, um, covering some Thin Lizzy stuff. Um, you know, it, being with Scott when we do the festivals, it's amazing because everybody wants, to, every musician wants to meet him and wants to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And to see the huge, infl- the, the complete um, scope of his influence over musicians is unbelievable, you know. They really are in awe of it, and rightly so, you know. But we'd be at a festival and, and you know, 
guys in, in, in bands that are headlining the festival, much you know, huge bands will be coming up and just falling at the feet of Scott Gorham, and it's and it's great. It's just great to see that, you know. Yeah, I you're a big fan of Black Rose too, which is yeah, like their the album. Yeah, that's like the their 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 freaking. That's uh, the most underrated masterpiece I yeah. think they ever did. There's a lot of uh, musicians we've talked to, uh, like Henry Rollins. That's his favorite. That's his go-to Thin Lizzy record. Yeah. What what is it about that record yeah. that you you love so much? I know that was a little later for them, but just sure. in, incredible. Why do you like that record? I, I, so, think, I, I think it's the songs. You know, I think every song on it is so strong mm. and so unique and, and, and so individual. Uh, Gary Moore's guitar playing is something else on it. Uh, Phil's delivery, his lyrics are just great on that. I mean, like, you know, it's a, t- it's a hard one. I love all of the album, but, you know, you put a gun to my head, that's the one I'm going to pick. <laughs> yeah. It was, cool, was, uh, it was a year and a half ago, we got to play that album in its entirety at a festival in the UK. Oh. We headlined a festival in the UK, and we did, it was, it was 40 years of Black Rose, and we did the album from start to finish. Wow. In its entirety. So, you know, I got to sing Sarah, which we'd never done live before, you know. Oh, that's um, you know, and it got to got to give it up. It's just such a great tune, you know. And that was just such an honor to actually sing that album from top to bottom. It really was. Yeah, wait for an alibi. Yeah. Do anything you want to do. Was there? Oh um, man, you know. Yeah. Did they tell you about the stories from of the writing those songs back in the day? Like, um, I mean, I, I'm sure they got so many stories about the inspiration and when all that happened. You know, I, I have I have so many Finlandy stories. From Scott, it, it's unbelievable because Scott <laughs> loves the whole court on the back of the tour bus. I can tell <laughs> little stories about him, about, about him and Phil being as good looking and as, as debonair as they were back in the day, just running them up all over the world. And I'm insanely jealous because it just sounds like a wonderful time yeah. to be in a killer band and be alive. And Scott, you know, it's great because t- I've heard them all a million times, but I never get I never get tired of hearing them. Um, and he embellishes them all a little bit differently each time he tells them. It's <laughs> yeah. cool too. But I think with Black Rose, Scott's memory of that is a bit weird and a bit hazy because that's when the real that's when the drugs started really turning up and kicking in and starting to make things a little bit fuzzy. Mm. And I think that is is a memory that he has of that time, which maybe clouds all the good stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, when they were when they were when they were recording it, um, but you know he says you know Phil was just great. Phil was just always coming in with great lyrics and great ideas, and, and always pushing the rest of the band and driving the band forward. Did you ever uh, get to meet Gary Gary Moore? Um, I got to play a show with Gary Moore. Believe it or not, oh, what, was, what was that like in, in, in Belfast? Man, check this out for a bill. It was a, it was Bob Dylan headlining. Wow. Right? Gary Moore um, was on there. And then another great Irish singer-songwriter called Damien Dempsey, who is really great. And then I opened the show, and it was in Belfast. And, and I briefly, you know, this was obviously before I had anything to do with Lizzie. Yeah. I, I, I shook Gary's hand and just said hello and told him what a fan I was. And, and, and he sort of said, thanks very much and all that. But um, I, I know Jack Moore, his son. Jack and I are really good friends now. And... Um, so I talked to Jack quite a lot, and uh, Jack's a great guitar player. He definitely got his uh, his dad's DNA in those fingers, and uh, you know, mm. that's good. What, what was your take on Gary? I mean, it was a brief meeting. It sounds like, but what was what was that like? It must have been just larger than life. 
Yeah, amazing. He's just, he's, you know, one of the greatest guitar players in the world. Amen. And the story, he was. You yeah. know, nobody can play the guitar like Gary, like Gary. And he was, he, he was, he was great. Yeah. Know? Absolutely. Well, hey, uh, we really appreciate your time. I mean, the, the album, uh, when uh, life was hard and fast, it's it's heavy stuff, man. And we're really appreciative of Thank your time. You. Thank you. We really Thank appreciate you, so you coming on, and uh, we can't wait to get yeah. it out there. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for having me. You know, be safe, be well, and you know, hopefully we get through all this, all this shenanigans, and yeah. we'll all come out stronger people on the other side. right there ricky warwick and the album when life was hard and fast out now and a who's who that he's played with here of course produced um uh, by joe elliott andy taylor also uh, from duran duran is on this and that it does and, you know that's only half of it it's really cool that nuclear blast uh has them on their label yeah you know because nuclear blast is usually associated with you know, grindcore, hardcore, yep. trash. Yep, yep. <laughs> <Street> <laughs> yeah, metal. like really heavy stuff. Yeah. And I, I, it's obviously it's a it's a testament to him, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what he brings to the any genre that he works in. It, yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah, and uh, just yeah, it's awesome when you can bring in those, you know, not just those influences, but the friends of yours. You know. Yeah. It's great. He's got I mean, some friends, dude. He's got I mean, some he's, friends. Yeah. And uh, he's working on, uh, as he said in the interview, he's working on a record with uh, Andy Taylor yep. of Duran Duran. Andy's solo records tend to sound nothing even remotely like Duran Duran. He's been out of Duran Duran for quite a while now, probably about 10 years okay. after the last full reunion mm -hmm. with, with all five of the members. Um, he had to cut short uh, the Duran Duran tour because his dad was sick mm. and he had to go back to the UK and I think... It was at that point he just kind of realized that he just didn't want to do this anymore. Right. He's he'd been there. He had done that. Yeah. Right. Yep. And uh, you know, Power Station could never reform because uh, Robert, half the yeah. band was has passed away with Tony Thompson and. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. And, yeah. Uh, Robert uh, Palmer. Yeah, and that was a great band. They had a couple of records, a few records, right? They had uh, the first record was massive. Right. I, the Huge. second one was. Uh, Kind of slid under the radar, and then he died uh, relatively young. Yeah, like, and there was just there was no opportunity ever again for them to reform and yeah. and do their thing. But they had a very unique sound, didn't they? They did very very percussive. You yeah, know? very percussive and trumpet, just horns, and it was great. It was really cool. Very unique blend. Nick and Simon formed Arcadia, mm -hmm. and the rest of the guys did Power Station, and uh, I think both fans had uh, members of different members of Chic mm -hmm, yep. in them, and, and uh, really, really uh, amazing band as well, Chic. Yeah. Everything they touched was uh, gold back in the day. Yeah, we have a cool interview coming up, actually, with uh, there you go. one of the uh, background singers uh, for Chic, Jesse Wagner, who, I mean, she's incredible, beautiful being. voice, solo stuff in her, in her own right. But she sang for Duran Duran also, and yeah. she talks about the closeness of those bands. <laughs> so it's amazing. I mean, she had some great stories, and that's com coming up, folks. So stay tuned for that. Oh, 
Wagner, and you're talking rock with Dave and Shane. Awesome. Woo! Thank you so much, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> She's a fantastic human being. She is, yeah. Just in, so unique in her voice and, and songwriting, and she has different... Um, I guess looks that go along with the feel like she you know, there's a, a hard army of the underdog I think yeah where she's doing some really hard kind of Janis Joplin kind of rock and roll yep. stuff but it's just got some Bonnie Raitt feel you know I that, mean there's just so much her voice is uh is timeless yeah. as, as, as as rock and roll yeah and uh you really got to check out her record yep shoes dropping we can't wait to bring you that interview that's going to be uh that's coming up in next month yeah or so. i was gonna say yeah next we month, have so yeah. much stuff we get so much stuff and we've got we've got uh coming up after this so next yeah. week we've got uh steve lugather yeah yeah so we got him coming out too so yeah it's we got a lot for you folks studio whiz yacht rock master yes that's right <laughs> i'm sure he'd smack me upside the head for saying that <laughs> hey you know what i love steve steve was a, steve was freaking a sweet hilarious guy. he was great he was awesome talking about yeah. michael jackson hang out he hung up on michael jackson you know <laughs> hey this is really michael jackson please who calls somebody at eight in the morning in 1982 <laughs> so we're, we're cruising yeah. along and yep. uh we, we really uh, thank ricky for coming on thank you and, ricky uh, yep check out this album man it's it's a it's a great release and yep. you're gonna dig it when life was hard and fast out now wherever you get music born into a scene of agonies and greed dominance and persecution my mother was a queen my dad i never seen i was never meant to be now I spend my time looking all around For a man that's nowhere to be found Till I find him Never gonna stop searching Gonna find my man, gonna travel around Cause I'm a reptile Well I'm a reptile yeah, I'm a reptile Coming up to get you Ooh, yeah! Hey folks, this is Ricky Warwick And you're listening to the Rock of Nations The one and only Dave Kitchen <laughs> Thank you so much, man No records this week. I figure we'll hold off. Yeah, it's all right. Cause uh, we got a lot in on the Brian Wheat show, and that's yeah. up, and and you know, and that's and and now we get to look back. Though this is kind yeah. of a cool thing that you, you pulled. Well, together. This is I I this uh, they do this every year, and mm. it's like uh, I'm like you. I like lists. Yeah, I like I pour over this stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like more. Yes, even though you know it, feed you, me. You already have it, but when you see it, like um, still still. Uh, making a difference and, yeah. and out there uh living its legacy and creating history mm -hmm. yet again that's uh, mind-blowing but discogs uh has a blog mm. uh discogs is a discogs.com is kind of like the go-to uh, app or website yep. where record collectors and um, cd collectors tape collectors eight track whatever it is that you like go to catalog their music and also uh there's forums you can get on and talk till you're blue in the face mm -hmm. with people. Uh, there's um, all kinds of resources. 
Uh, it's probably the most uh, intensive resource for any kind of music collector or, or seller uh, out there because you can really learn what something is worth. It's, it's, it's like all in one for the fan. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for the, just the person that just wants it for the music is not worrying about having the first edition of a Nirvana Nevermind record. Uh, it's a great place just to go to, to I, I've learned so much mm. from this site and, uh, I've gotten it's a so heck cool. of a lot of really good bargains on discogs.com. But they made you the vinyl master. <laughs> probably, uh, yeah, probably, uh, <laughs> probably <so. laughs> created a monster. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the, the Godzilla. Wait, that car was going the wrong way and no lights on. I'm sorry. Oh no. Yeah. He's, uh, and the car looked banged up and. He's still going the wrong way. Oh my god. He's still going the wrong way. He's still going the wrong way. Turning. Did he turn? Uh, who knows? Somebody going the wrong way down the street here. So uh, that's what that was. Yeah. There. Well, pick it, picking it up, I mean, 2020 uh, was a tough freaking year. Yeah. And, uh, but I didn't know this. It was also a completely uh, revolutionary year for vinyl buying it, mm. it it surpassed uh, the previous year by like over 30 3.5 million wow units people needed their music and to get CDs through went up to 11 percent. so it's we had nothing to do man. right Just sit around read yeah. watch movies and and you said cassettes were coming back too did you say oh that? yeah i think so 250,000 cassettes sold last year wow on discogs that's just Discogs. it's not ebay that's not the thrift stores. That's not the record stores out. That's just Discogs. But Discogs is a is a great marker for this stuff. And I thought it was kind of a cool list. They put out this list every year: the fifty best selling records nice. of that particular year. Okay. And um, they just posted it this week. And, breaking uh, news. It's breaking news, baby. And but it, um, W run DK. No. <laughs> but uh, but. A third of the list comes from records that came out last year. Okay. Uh, then the rest of it is all legacy recordings. That's why I kind of find fascinating. It's a nice mix, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Billy Eilish was obviously the number one. It was a live recording, mm -hmm. uh, Third Man Records. Jack White's label did an in-store exclusive. Mm. Uh, they recorded her. They put it out. And then... Um, People went nuts over it and it actually sold for thousands. Some of them wow. sold for thousands of dollars because um, one of their ideas was let's get Billy, let's dip her in paint and have her roll around and stomp around on the mm -hmm. covers. So the covers, the initial run, the first run, wow. which I do not have because um, I didn't know about it. It was only released on the website and they sold out almost immediately on the Third Man rep website. But they had her getting green paint, and wow. she ran around the room on the on the actual covers. She literally did that. Just well. a generic black cover. Yeah. And then they they put them in sleeves and they sold them. It's amazing. And um, it was kind of like an autograph in a way. Yeah. You know, because there was paint on all of them, and uh, but it was such a demand for it that they released it again for Record Store Day, mm. and uh, that also sold out quickly. But that was the number one record. For discogs for for 2020 so we'll just get that out of the way yeah but the other stuff um pretty cool uh there's a band called krang bin okay they're out of houston um they had three records on the list krang bin also did an ep with uh 
Mr. Leon Bridges, who mm. uh, Bridges did some stuff with uh, Gary Clark Jr. as well. Bridges is also from, I think he's from Fort Worth, Texas. Mm. They're from Houston. Uh, did a really incredible EP. They have three releases, uh, three of the best-selling records of the year on, wow. on Discogs. And wild, that, man. That gives Just, me hope, man. I love that. Oh, I, yeah. I do, too. But I, uh, I'm, uh, I figure we could share this. Yeah, you know, let's start do it, it. Yeah. Get down to the list and the nitty-gritty. And, Rock and, and roll. Uh, yep. The number 50, Diamond Dave. So number 50, this one, and you know this has got to be on the list somewhere. Uh, yeah. Michael Jackson Thriller, 1982, of course, <laughs> uh, featuring uh, who we talked to, uh, Steve Lukather on yeah. Beat It. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's timeless, man. It's timeless. What yeah. can you say, right? Steve played on the whole freaking record, Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. I th well, I think uh, a number of songs, several songs, yeah. yeah. But Toto, I mean, pretty much the house band for this record, yeah. you know. It uh, speaks for itself. Almost yeah. 40 years old. Yep. Is still uh, just as good now as it was yeah. then. Yeah, that'll be a major anniversary coming up next year, but wild. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that, that is number five. Oh, Fleet Foxes. Uh, mm -hmm. Great indie band uh, who uh, pumped out. Uh, Father John Misty was the drummer for that band, and uh, he since moved on, become his own legend. Mm -hmm. uh, Fleet Foxes, uh, first record, number 49, Massive Attack. Yeah, Blue Lines 2016, this one uh, came out. It's uh, uh, 180 gram. Uh, what does that mean? Oh, you're the vinyl. <laughs> That's the 180 gram vinyl re reissue. Yeah. It's, the, it's the weight of the vinyl. Okay, okay. Uh, this record came out in about 1990, mm. and it got a reissue in 2016. Okay. It's still selling like Amazing. hot cakes. That's awesome, yeah. Cocteau Twins, uh, one of my favorite bands. Uh, she actually tours. With Massive Attack, okay. uh, last time they were through. And, and look at that, uh, neck and neck on the uh, right next Never to Las other. Vegas, 48. Uh, Tyler, the creator, Cherry Bomb. Uh, yeah. He's the rapper extraordinaire right now. Limited edition, Red Translucent, number 45. Virgin Suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite Kanye West record, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah, that was a good one, yeah. Um, I mean, my personal favorite was, uh, you know... Uh, the drop, uh, you know, high school dropout. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that to, or was it college dropout? I, yeah, college, well, you know yeah, what I mean. Drop yes, the, yep. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that's like old, old, old Kanye. But this this one is really quite solid. I, I for, for whatever reason, this hit at a time where I, I just thought it was a freaking masterpiece. Mm. And uh, I forget the year because that isn't the year it came out. I think it came out initially in. This is, when did this record come out? Uh, but you get that. You get yeah. the point. <laughs> but it was an album where he actually had uh, musicians and he sang. Yep. Is that the and one with all of the lights? I think that's the... I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. That's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Somebody uh, did an edit video of that to like uh, my, my team, Michigan State Football. And it was like a, this great <laughs> highlight reel. It was wild. It was like... We see. always have room for this record. Yeah, let's see. Is that what it's on? I think... Uh... Yeah, that's it. That's 22. Yeah. yeah. How about that? 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So you've got uh, your Kid Cooties on that. And just um, breaking news on this, too. Uh, we just found out today that officially Kanye and uh, Kim are, Kardashian are no more. They're as getting a divorce. Yeah. And uh, they're going to continue to raise their kids separately yep. and do their thing. That was kind of wild. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, nobody really hits our buddy Yacht up there. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, my lights are on, I yeah. think. Yeah, I don't think he it. wants them on, does he? <laughs> Probably not. Here, let's... 
It's a but, mobile uh, studio, folks, and there's all <laughs> kinds of things going on. Mobile, because that's what we do. That's right, going on. How about some seals and crofts, shall we? <laughs> uh, number 44 is seals and croft. No, that's I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> number 44 is the Krangbin and Leon Bridges, Texas yep. Sun EP. I don't know how to pronounce it. It looks like a German lettering there. Yeah, it's. I thought it was initially they were like trying to do like a kraut rock sound. Okay. And, uh, sounding name. Um, but, uh, it looks like, I don't know what the, I don't even know what the word, I have to look it up. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, definitely check it out. Purple Mountains. Uh. Yep, self-titled. May he rest in peace. That was, uh, the Drag City release from yeah. the now late, uh, um, <clears throat> Mr. Berman. Number 43, Purple Mountains from David Berman. Yep. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, he died, uh, the year this album came out. Um, he committed suicide, uh. He was the legendary singer for the band, uh, band Silver Silver Jews. He mm -hmm. also wrote all their music. Mm. Uh, one man kind of band, but uh, Dan Auerbach from uh, Sorry, I'm really <laughs> kicking ass tonight, aren't I? Usually I'm like Mr. <laughs> Dan Auerbach from Black Keys was on this record, and okay. uh, this oh, is man. considered to be one of the best records of that year. Mm. <laughs> Alpha One, I've never even heard of this. Yeah, UMLA. It looks really, really, really cool. I don't know what it is. Two, two vinyl LP came out in 2018. Yellow vinyl. Mm. DJ Cozy. Pick, pick up. up. Yep. Take it away, Dave. Freddie Gibbs and uh, Madlib uh, Pinata. Madlib, may you rest in peace. Yeah. Another uh, death. Yeah. And um, then we go to Legacy here. Uh, Fleetwood Mac and Rumors, of course, uh, at 39. Yeah. Uh, the reissue here in uh, 2011, right? It's insane how this album. Yeah. Keeps gone. It it's came out in what, 76? Uh, 76. 76. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's, uh, War on Drugs. Philly band, baby. Yeah. Lost in the Dream. Uh, that was number 38. Killing it. Mm -hmm. Album is still destroying. It's a fantastic record. It's actually, uh, I think it's a nice homage to Petty and mm. Bruce Hornsby, actually. Yeah, they have that, that real they Heartland really cool, sound. They yeah. have a really cool sound. Yeah. Alice in Chains. Dirt. This one's just, uh, you know, and that band was always like, they came out through the the um, grunge scene, but I always thought they were kind of metal, you know. Yeah, them bones just rip, yep. rips it out. Damn, damn down that in river. A hole, yeah. <laughs> down in a hole. Rooster. I mean, Rooster's an epic. Oh, dude, Rooster's Rooster really is an epic, right? Angry chair, wood. Yep, that's a I good mean, one. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, so good. It doesn't get any better. Nope. Godsmack. That their song actually became uh, another that, band's name. That's the name. That's yeah. how they got the name. Yeah. Oasis. What's the story? Morning Glory. One of my top albums of all time. The opening, tra the the track, uh, Morning Glory, and there's so many guitar riffs on there. I, I would listen to that as a kid and think, gosh, you know, I'm trying to pick out all the riffs. It was so hard to do. Yeah. Um, Don't Look Back at Anger. Wonderwall. Yeah. Some might say, Cast No Shadow, She's Electric. Bonehead's Bank Holiday, he um, he was the songwriter for a while, and then um, when Noel came in, um, it you know became basically Noel Gallagher's band. You know, yeah. But I remember for a while that uh, Bonehead... Paul Bonehead Arthur's, I think is his name. He was like the big writer. Yeah. Uh, but that's a great one, man. It came right after Definitely Maybe. It was like a really... Bang, really, bang. Yeah. yeah, it was great. It was awesome. I that's loved like it. like the old days. That's what bands used to yeah. do. Yeah. And uh, the album wraps up with probably my favorite Oasis song, Champagne Supernova. Yes. It, which, it's just uh, another epic, right? Seven and a half minutes of pure glory. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but Paul Weller was... He actually he was lead guitar on that song. Really? Paul wow. Weller of the, of the Jam. I didn't know that. And, uh, you know, 34, uh, 
because we, apparently we skipped 35. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where is that? Yeah, it's not... 35 is <laughs> missing. They're really uh, missing. The yep. Cure Blood Flowers. Mm -hmm. uh, been out of print for years. Mm. Um, I'm blessed to have an original copy of this. Uh, they got a limited edition picture disc version. What's for that record store now? What you have? I can't imagine. Last I checked, it was in the 300. Because <laughs> <Love it. laughs> yeah. audiophiles don't like... Uh, picture disc we hate them really and it got a picture disc release mm. so um, everyone's kind of tapping their toes to see if uh they're going to release um a, an actual regular black vinyl or colored vinyl a version of this what why are picture sound discs? quality why are they is it, it impacts sound quality the grooves aren't as deep mm. and they press a it's pressed on a picture there's okay. a picture in there and it's just the process of doing it i think they've done different versions of them now mm. like priest did one of british steel oh yeah and it really was it was a picture disc but i think it was more of an etching okay on there that didn't affect anything because it sounds freaking amazing mm. so they've come a long way with picture discs through the years but hardcore audiophiles will not purchase okay <laughs> picture disc yeah. unless they just want it to hang on the wall or something but mm. uh, i never heard of this group new new guinea uh novia napoli yeah Re repress i've yeah. never heard of it, it must be uh i'll have to look into yeah. that and we'll get back to you on that yeah. 33 allison chains again mtv unplugged you know this one right yeah just a classic release so this was released uh twice on vinyl or this was a uh, issued reissued twice uh no it's a okay. double vinyl double that's it that's reissue. Double vinyl. yeah and, okay. uh, yep. they finally got a repress that's been out of print for again probably since the original mm. so um one of the coolest covers for the unplugged yeah it's just it's art i mean you could have that on the back of your computer or something <laughs> you know i freaking love them yeah smashing pumpkins siamese dream yeah uh, it's been out for about 10 years now the, yep. the repress and uh if you if you're a fan of the pumpkins uh i have the original i have this there i think this one actually sounds a little better than the original because mm. uh, it's spread out over two two records yep i can't remember whether or not the original i think the original might have just been one record but i could be wrong is it the beginning of the rise today's on there i think right and, yeah this uh, this had so many hit singles yeah. uh cherub rock yep. today rocket Disarm. disarm oh my yeah. god disarm yeah huge mayonnaise space boy <clears throat> why don't you say that one dave d1 uh no it was silver <laughs> expletive yeah <laughs> uh even luna this is just as good as a record gets yeah it really is um his performance billy corgan's performance of uh, disarm on stern was moving man and, and, just oh it was perfect and jimmy chamberlain on this and uh, and that, siamese dream i'm not Siamese Dream. Uh, uh, Melancholy? No, their very first record. Oh, um, uh, uh, Gish. Gish. Gish, yeah. Jimmy's performance on these two records is, is bar none. Yeah. What, some of the best drum drum uh, <clears throat> playing I've ever heard in my life. Would you say best drummer of the 90s? I think he was I, I think he was the best. He's up there, man. He's up there. He's like, yeah. yeah. Mr. Tool is the... Well, Danny, exactly, yes. <laughs> uh, that's true, yes, yes. I don't know how you top Danny. No, you, you can't. That's math on drums, like you said. Uh, David Bowie, I'm Only Dancing. Soul Tour. 74. 74, yeah. I recorded in Detroit at the... At the Michigan Palace? Yeah. Yeah, that's a legendary venue. Not there anymore, unfortunately. How but... long has that been going? Uh, it's, gosh, you know, it's been a while. The Tame Impala. Uh, yeah, the Slow Rush. Yeah. How about that? I thought it was a great cover on that record. Yeah, it's simple, but Kids like, love like this band, man. Yeah? These guys are huge. Where are they from? I am not sure, mm. but uh, let's look into this. Mm. 
Probably should have known that before. Oh, they're Australian. Okay. Very cool. Yep. Steve Kilby probably knows about them. You yeah. know, what's, what's funny is, for some reason, I think of like a Minute Work. That cover made me think of a Minute Work song or video. I don't know why. I'm really? Dead, I'm dead serious. Wow. It kind of did. I don't know why. It's got the fresh, yeah. tropical, <laughs> southern hemisphere feel to this cover. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, a couple windows with some sand. Uh, obviously, it's a house in the desert. Mm -hmm. I guess apparently uh, went into ruin, and the sand came in through the windows and the doors. Yep. But... Um, which I've go. actually seen out in Arizona. It's, mm. it's actually very cool. I don't know if this is where that is, but yeah. most likely it's in Australia. But um, Sufan Stevens, uh, Carrie and Lowell. Yep. Uh, interesting with that album because he has better records than that one. But mm -hmm. still huge. U2 uh, Record Store Day release of 11 o'clock TikTok, which was a EP. It was this, um, uh, this was, uh, oh yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. 11, 11 o'clock TikTok uh, was never on an album. It was only, uh, only ever a single release. Yeah. And, uh, one of my favorite B sides was touch. Yeah. That's it. That is so good. Yeah. And that uh, was recorded by Martin Hannett, mm -hmm. who was the producer of uh, joy division and new order. Yeah. First New Order record and uh, so many other rec classic records. A titan of that uh, sound, yeah. He died uh, very young, unfortunately. And Thriller's back again. Back again, uh, number 27, release. yeah. This is just a regular Pittman pressing. Mm -hmm. This is the classic, this is the original version of it. Yeah, you can it's, see it. It's number it, yeah. 27. The original version of this record the original version. has sold uh, that much. Amazing, amazing. The other, the fit, number 50 was the reissue. Right. The original is twenty-seven. Uh, used yeah. is is selling that high. It's That's just awesome. mind blowing. That's so mind blowing. Ugh. Robin, I like her. She's awesome. Uh, yeah, Robin self-titled. Yep. Uh, Jay Sonica loves Robin as well. He's a big, big fan of her. She had the song "Dancing with Myself," I think, and mm -hmm. there's another one. She, she's great. Unique voice. Pearl Jam MTV Unplugged. I scooped this one up uh, for Record Store Day last year, mm. two years ago. Uh, great. Uh, Great release. It was pretty much their MTV special. Mm -hmm. they, they only played like six songs, seven Oceans, songs. Yeah. But, um, State of Love and Trust, which was from the single soundtrack, Black, uh, Live, Jeremy, even Tens well represented, Porch. yeah. It's all you need. Yeah. Uh, man, it's going for 60 bucks. Wow. What's going on with this world? I know. This one, uh, I mean, really, it's, I mean, it's so, one of the greatest of all time. Yes, Prince of the Revolution, Pippa Rain. 1984's classic. Mm -hmm. That's the original again. It's not the that of course has been reissued, yep. and the original is outselling the. <laughs> Which is the the, isn't, isn't that the ultimate tribute? <laughs> I, it really is. Pretty yeah. much. Crangbin, uh, Universe Smiles Upon You, number twenty-three. Yep. Uh, FX Twin. Yep. Selected Ambient Works. I remember them them on MTV Two. There were certain bands Amazing. that you just saw on MTV Two, and they were yeah. Neil uh, Young, Homegrown. Homegrown. Yep. Uh, this album is. Freaking mind blowing! Mm. I, I don't know how to say his name. I would assume it's Anya Bor. Anya Bor, yeah. Uh, he's Anya African. Yeah. Uh, David Byrne introduced me to him. Uh, he put out a record um, on Luaka Bop. That's his David Byrne of Talking Heads mm. label. Uh, it was a World Psychedelic Classics series, and it's a three-record set. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was used in something recently, but it's. Um, it is the funkiest stuff I've ever heard in my life. Mm. It's Africa meets funk, meets um, abstract art, and it, it's That's just wild. incredible. Yeah, I gotta check that out. <clears throat> uh, where it comes from and um, 
that he was known for wearing his uh, cowboy hat. Mm. And um, looks like a campaign ad. He's wearing a suit, in the, you know, like vote yeah, for me. I'm still, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Vote for William Onyabor. But mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. Uh, this album actually was released uh, like eight years ago, and it, it's back on the list at number Amazing. 19. So it must have been somewhere that, but it's that good. Yeah. And I can't recommend it enough. I just wish I knew check- more about them. I'll be checking that out. Because I just recently started hearing these tracks like a couple months ago. So, mm. <clears throat> New Javis? Yeah. I'm not sure how you say Metaphorical music. Yep. I uh, got a limited edition reissue. Uh, Gorillas D-Sides. That yeah. was a Record Store Day release. Was it the original? Or that was the... No, that was... A, that's early. This has never been released before. Oh, okay. Well, this was yeah. all the extra stuff from uh, their second record. Yeah. And they threw it on... Uh, Triple vinyl. Okay. And uh, when that first song came out, I didn't quite get them, but then they, I, but then they just went gangbusters. <laughs> Dude, like, it's kind of cool, but yeah. I, I didn't get it. <laughs> I, I, the first time I heard it, I, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention. I yeah. just thought it was like, why is this dude so trippy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, was in Germany, and I heard Clint Eastwood nonstop. Mm. Like yes. over there, it was right. already like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And uh, it was like. Wow, this is really freaking good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And by the time I left Germany, I I, I found it somewhere in a store and bought it because mm. I, I was just like, this is so freaking good. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've been hooked on the gorillas ever since. Damon Alburn from Blur, and his cast of uh, rotating yeah. musicians. Yes. Yep. Everyone from Tony Allen, may he rest in peace, the drummer for mm-hmm. uh, Fela to. Um, Paul Simonin from The Clash to Mick Jones from mm. The Clash has been on some records. Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Womack. Wow. I, I can go on. I mean, Sean Ryder from Happy Mondays. Oh, with those guys? Uh, Gorillaz never has the same cast. Right. It's different, right. Yeah. It's the ca- if the group is animated. Okay. Yep, yeah, I've seen and, it in the videos. And, and they yep. play behind this massive screen, projection screen, and Jamie Hewlett is the artist. Mm. Um Brilliant. I don't know if you've ever seen Tank Girl. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's okay. His, that's Jamie's character. He had okay. a comic book called Tank Girl. And, yep. And he got thrown onto the... He and, he and Damon were roommates, and they uh, basically uh, decided they were wanting to collaborate on something. It's a brilliant concept. And the, and the rest mean. is history. They never... Uh, Damon was in Blur. I think he was tired of that fame thing. And yeah, yeah. Being a, like Blur was kind of seen as the... Antithesis of Oasis. Okay. But yep. Blur is an incredible band. They're I kind of looked yeah. at it as Oasis is the Who and Blur is the Kinks for that yeah. generation. And that, so much more than Song 2. I mean, that was great, but so much more. That, yeah. He could do anything, yeah. man. And that's the, the Gorillas are living proof of that. Crangvin mm-hmm. again. Yep. This was their biggest seller, uh, Contoto El Mundo. I got to check these guys out. Out of Texas, you said. Yeah. I think you'll really dig them. Portishead Dummy. Portishead, yes. 90s yeah. icon. Classic. Yes. Um, Gorillas again. Yeah, G-Sides. G-Sides. Yep. <laughs> this, this one also came out uh, this past year. Wow. Another Record Store Day release. This. This is one of my. Baffling. Tracy, yes. This Tracy. has not been released. Wow. released yet. And this album is selling for like crazy money. I remember. That was one of the first videos I remember on uh, MTV or like a, you know, Fast Car. I yeah. remember. I just. It was one of. I just remembered it. I, I think that yeah. was the first year I started watching videos. Yep. And, yeah. I, it's one of my all time. Uh, fast cars and talking about a revolution yep. are, are two yeah. of the best songs ever written. She's amazing. Just an average copy, like a half played copy, fifty bucks. That's insane. 
Yeah. Wow. And, th and this is selling, outselling so many other records, and it's still, it's it's not the, um, it's the original release. It's not uh, a reissue. Wow. If there's something on this list that needs a desperately needs a reissue, it's Tracy Chapman's yeah. first uh, self-titled release. So great. Amazing. Yeah. Buena Vista Social Club, the yep. Cooter's uh, Cuba, um, basically tribute. And he went down and produced this, and yep. uh, it's as good as stuff gets. It just got a reissue. Uh, Vinyl Me Please also did a reissue mm -hmm. last year. Um, Once again, back again. Same album. I'm only I'm only dancing. The Soul Tour 74. Yeah, the other version was other the version. CD. Yep. And this is the LP. Okay. I don't know why they had a CD and a LP. Mm. Best-selling records. And Mordecai from mm -hmm. Crank Ben again. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are like the Beatles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they are. Then uh, back to Legacy Pink Floyd. You can tell who, who the hip band is. Uh, this band, this album yeah. will never go away. Yep. The Dark Side of the Shouldn't. Moon. Yep. Cutting edge, groundbreaking record. Mm -hmm. If you or I have ever heard one. Timeless in a sense. C418, Minecraft, Volume Alpha. Mm -hmm. Never heard of it. Neither. David Bowie, Changes Now Bowie. Yep. Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City. Amazing record. He's he's just he did some stuff with the U two. He's on a track with U two actually. Yeah, and it's just great. He's he's awesome. He's an amazing amazing dude. And yeah, my son really got me in them. I, yeah, and uh, George Clinton when we met him. Yeah, uh, kept talking about Kendrick being on on. Uh, oh man, George was on uh, Kendrick's uh, album after this one. I missed it that day when he came. I was so mad. I was on a story somewhere and I saw all the pictures and I was like, you know, I was happy for you guys, but it's like, ah, <laughs> enough. Uh, no, but it was cool. Fleetwood Mac, the alternate, alternate rumors, which is basically outtakes from the rumor session. Okay. And then he re-released it in the order of the rumors record. Wow. So it, um, really, um, uh, that one's taken off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peggy gal. Moment EP. Yeah. yeah. Daft, Daft Punk. Point. Random access memories. That's a classic. Yeah. Giorgio Moroda, yeah. David Bowie, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, just as good as it gets. New Jobbies, yeah. Model Soul, and of course, Billy as we told you earlier, yeah. amazing people's buying habits. Yeah. Like Karangbin. Right. It's wild, right? It's that good, and it, it's it's cool to see uh, all those legacy records tucked in. Yeah. Nice mixture. So, no Eagles, which I was kind of surprised by, you know? That, they've really kind of... Eagles and Elvis have really dropped off. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've actually been able to find Eagles and Elvis records more recent, mm. um, and you couldn't find them 10 years ago. Right. Sure but couldn't. I think they've started... They started... Some of the fans are starting to die. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a generational thing. Yeah, it's it different. is. Yeah. And um, Billy Joel, the same thing. Yeah. It's starting to find more Billy Joel records. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing how that changes. Bottle of red. No, <laughs> bottle of white. I just thought it was cool to talk about. And yeah, it was great, and uh, thanks to you know Discogs for putting that Discogs for putting that together. I mean, that's really cool. It's a lot of uh, they're really really cool about the research and yeah. stuff. And uh, someday I'd love to get somebody from Discogs they, on. And they talk. do a great job, man. They really do. Yeah, put in a, a basically a message to the D two people, the comic. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Group that uh, have put out the Anthrax and Dio uh, graphic novels yep. in the last uh, year, and hopefully hear hear back from them so we could talk, pick their brain about. I love it. Yeah. What goes into making a, a graphic novel? Yeah, it's wild. Based stuff. on a record. Right. Based on the record yeah. cover. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So well, good stuff, sir. And uh, yeah, we covered a lot of ground. We always do. Yes. Ricky news discogs. Yeah. 
Let's do it, Diamond Dave. Absolutely. Next week, going to bring you some cool stuff, too. Yeah, next week we've got uh, Steve Lukather, and uh, we've got the Bouchard brothers, uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, man, and that's not even half of what we still have yeah. left in so the can. Love it. We'll have records next week, I promise. Mm -hmm. I'll do my homework, and uh, you guys stay safe. Wear a mask, do the right thing, and uh, stay safe. Ow!